Liberty Station is brought to you by my good friends at Devoted Capital, where they believe how you profit matters. They're dedicated to helping you align your investments with your values, empowering you to a life well-lived. Welcome to the Bryce Eddy Show on Liberty Station. Um, Today's guest is a new friend of mine, and I am excited to have this conversation because we're going to talk about some meaningful things. Um, My guest today is Jennifer Gillardi, and Jennifer is an author, a fitness guru, (laughs) uh, all-around smarty pants, and... um, I uh, I love her already. So Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, having this conversation with you. Yeah, Alsa should say you're a podcaster as well. So. I am. So. I am. We're gonna get you on there too. Yeah, we'll do it. Do a we'll do swap. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, cu- a couple of things. So first, uh, I I would love to hear your kind of story arc. Yeah. And then I want to get into that first article you wrote on Epic Times mm-hmm. or Epoch Times. Epoch, yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's start there. Who are you? Who am I? (laughs) Well, I can tell you the short version. Hopefully there'll be a memoir down the road that that goes into more detail about some of these things. But uh, I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, outside of Scranton. Right alongside Joe. Yeah, you know, I keep saying that guy wouldn't know blue collar. Came uh, up and smacked him in the face. Did you know Corn Pop? (laughs) Was Corn Pop still around? (laughs) No. All right. I don't know. Um, But yes, uh, so I grew up there. Um, relatively conservative upbringing, uh, a lot of farms around where I grew up, you know, pretty normal suburban childhood, drinking lots of beer, you know, wearing lots of plaid, <laughs> doing right. the things. Um, and then I went to a very conservative undergraduate university in Virginia called Washington and Lee University. Um, and I think I just really wanted to escape that. And I ended up going further south first uh, to Birmingham, Alabama for two years for a job for a marketing position uh, straight out of college. And after that, it was like, I got to get out. Like, I just felt that, I think, young adult angst of wanting to rebel a little bit and wanting something completely other than this small town um, experience that I had had. I felt, I don't know if I felt pulled or called or, you know, at at that age, you don't really know what it is. You just want to leave. and so I flew to the West Coast. I didn't literally fly. I drove, packed up a, a powder blue Ford Taurus, and um, landed in L.A. Didn't know a soul. My first job was at Fred Siegel in Santa Monica, oh, you yeah. know, working know. retail. Sure. Yeah, selling, selling, yeah, selling uh, overpriced clothing and whatnot to, um, to people. And I'm sure my father was very proud of what I was doing after my... You know, back then it wasn't $60,000 a year, but my not-too-cheap uh, undergrad education. Um, but, yeah, I came to L.A., and that was my first job, kind of held various jobs and started getting into dance again. I grew up with dance. I was a ballerina. Um, not a great one, but a good dancer. I just didn't have the physique for a ballerina. I was also athletic. I played tennis, so... Well, now are your toes still good then? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've recovered, and I actually it actually took a lot of work to recover, like, the smooshing yeah. of the toes into a toe shoe box. So, anyway, but I did get back into dance, um, started dancing, and then the whole fitness thing. Long story short, ended up in um, kind of running an entre- entrepreneurial fitness business. I taught all over the city, did DVD workouts... Um, from there, I went back to New York in 2009 to go to nutrition school. Um, so I got a certification as a holistic health practitioner. 
And that's really when, well, my time in LA, I kind of started this seeking process. There was something I was missing in my life, and I knew it was this kind of a spiritual void. Uh, so I got into breath work and meditation and yoga and all these things. Um, and in the meantime, I kind of became this increasingly like fragile person, which was interesting. Um, and I suffered, I don't want to say suffered. I never wanted to be clinically diagnosed. So I never said like, I can't clinically say I was depressed, but I certainly wasn't joyful. There's not right. a lot of joy. There was a lot of um, angst. There was a lot of up and down, a lot of volatility in my life. So I went to New York, went back to school for nutrition, and that was in 2009. That was the last time I kind of remember being really happy. I was with like-minded people. I was with friends, had a boyfriend, um, and then we broke up. And it, it wasn't the breakup necessarily that caused anything, but I just – that's when I really started diving deep into my spiritual practices of yoga, meditation, right. all these kinds of things. And I found a teacher and I traveled to do trainings with him. And um, I really started getting deep into Tantra and yoga, Ayurveda, some of which are, all of which was amazing, really. Um, but there was still something missing. And then I moved to Austin in 2016 um, and worked as the health and uh, health and wellness director for uh, Omni Resort property there, but still, like, like my relationships were met with men were quite broken and not healthy, um, and I was becoming kind of increasingly isolated and just wanting to go more and more and more inside, wanting to kind of retreat more and more into the spiritual world. Left for India, and uh, did I say 20? I went to Austin in 2013. I, I quit my job and went to India. Uh, for an undetermined amount of time in 2016. I went to study with my teacher, and that was a rocky road. Um, I traveled for a little bit, came back to the States, moved back to LA, LA in 2017. Right before I moved back, I was admitted into a psych ER. I had a little episode, I yeah. like to call. Um, a friend called the ER on me. I definitely did not want to live anymore, and I had realized, like, wow, it's gotten bad. Um, again, there were a lot of things that happened in between all these things, a lot of stories in between, but this is the general overview. And uh, I was like, I think that was my proverbial wake-up call. And I ended up not really, well, what I thought was seeking God, but I ended up doing uh, quite a bit of ayahuasca, going down the psychedelic path, um, trying to heal myself, keep trying to like, you know, heal yeah, along all sorts of roads that lead to nowhere. Yeah, and yeah. that's exactly it. I tried all of these roads, and they were leading nowhere. Um, I, I felt like I was getting better, but I still kind of had these bouts of depression and just these unhealthy relationships with nothing in the outside world was really changing. Right. I knew things were changing inside of me, but there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of change in the outside. And so I was like, I don't know. And then 2020 hit. Things were fine. I was in L.A., but I, w I wasn't fulfilled. I still didn't feel fulfilled at this point. My career, um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was, I was working consistently. I was writing for health magazines. I was doing production and serving as technical director for a lot of shoots and stuff. But I didn't want to be in front of the camera doing five, six, seven, eight anymore. <laughs> I just, right. you know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I actually found a little bit more success in hosting and commercial work and 
Like I thought, that's it, my acting. You know, this is gonna it's gonna take off, and then 2020 hit. Right. Like 2020, right? Right. The whatever you call it, pandemic, whatever that was. The lockdowns. The, whatever, yeah, the lockdowns. The stay in your house. Yeah. And do nothing. Um, and it was weird. I, I took this course called the Handle Group from the Handle Group um, that had me really examine my life from a lens of self-responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of another self-help thing, but, but it really emphasized, let's, let's take a good, honest look. Um, and I was like, oh. And I think the difference was it had me take action steps. Like I actually had to do things, not just sit around and meditate on them right. and not just sit around and pontificate on them, but actually do things. And I was like, oh, as much as one could do things during that time. But it gave me a sense of like, I think, of responsibility again. And then um, the, the lights kind of started to go off and I started listening to some Joe Rogan, little Jordan Peterson. And, you know, he's not just for, like, these incels that, the, that you know, what they're called incel males. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, involuntary it, celibate for, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, those folks. No, I, I mean, you know, he's he's not. Uh, he has a uh, an audience that is filled with um, young men, uh, men in particular, but young men who are looking for something. You know, yep. kind of like where you were, you know, heading down that path of, you know, uh, meditation and all of those sort of yep. things. You were looking for something. And, you know, Jordan Peterson has been that for a lot of men that are realizing that something is just not right. Yeah. And they're miserable. Yeah. And they don't know why. And this culture is telling them all kinds of things that just make them more miserable. Yeah. And here he is saying, hey, fix your inner self, you know, make your bed, clean your room, work on you before you are, you know, compelled to go out into the world and blame them and, and, you know, blame the world and and try to like fix the world, fix yourself first. And and it's resonating with a lot of people, women and men. Yeah. You know, it's uh, but but yeah, it's uh, he I think he gets you know, inappropriately tagged as being the guy for the incels and for, you know, people who are, you know, in that crowd. No, he's amazing. And I've been calling Jordan Peterson for a little while now because I've watched his evolution from the moment that he was fighting against uh, compelled speech dictates in Canada. He was... um, kind of coming along this trajectory where I I witnessed him, you know, like even on the Joe Rogan show and all this stuff go from not claiming any religious underpinnings or belief, but yet he was analyzing the Bible. Right, right. And he was doing these amazing talks on parts of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was talking from it from this, you know, clinical psychologist and from all of this hat. Um, but I still think he's he's still on this journey. And I've, you know, met him. I get to have, uh, you know, a little lunch um, and uh, I believe that he we're we're potentially witnessing a C.S. Lewis in the making, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's cool to see him go from I I'm not a Christian to it's complicated. Mm-hmm. I call myself a Christian <laughs> to yes I'm a Christian, and you know we'll see where he's at in that journey because it's uh, it's complex. But he's amazing. Anyway, that was a tremendous tangent. Yeah, so no, that's okay. Ahead. I've I've enjoyed watching his evolution too, yeah. and, and I think. We all get to the point where we think we can, you know, the thing is, is he's a psychologist. Yeah. So he's going to evaluate everything to the nth degree. And that's what I was trying when, to do. When that dude says, now I've thought a lot about this. Yeah. You're he's, like, yes, he yes, has. Yeah. He's thought a lot. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. You can only, I found, so what happened is, you know, my spiritual practices and everything I was doing was only, and the thing that's supposed to heal you, ayahuasca and these psychedelics, yeah. it only gets you so far. Do you know whom you're voting for? 
With every product you buy and every dollar you spend, you are casting your vote. Devoted Capital offers values-based investing portfolios that are designed to help you reach your financial goals, all the while making a positive impact on your life and the world around you. They are dedicated to educating, engaging, and empowering you to be wise with your investments and to equip you to be knowledgeable with your vote. Visit their website at devotedcapital.com to learn more about values-based investing or dial 805-372-0821 to speak to your values investor advocate today. Investment advisory services offered through Alliance Advisory and Securities, LLC, registered investment advisor. Well, what's funny is all the people that I've talked to that have thought that that's the path, and I and I actually, you know, I believe in the you know biblical uh, idea of pharmakeia, and I believe that it actually opens you up to spirits that you Good. don't want to be open up to. Yeah. And I've yeah. I've heard a lot of people, the common denominator is kind of what they see, and they do mm-hmm. see, see spirits and different things. So I don't I don't recommend it. I don't advise it for anybody. I don't think it's a good path to go down. The other thing is the evidence suggests everybody who's gone and done it and said, oh, my eyes open, my eyes are changed, their lives have not changed. <laughs> yeah. So I don't yeah. really see this, you know, yeah. amazing eye-opening thing. But anyway. Yeah. No. Um, so that was kind of the final. Th- I mean, where else was I going to run? That That's like right. the end of the road there, right? Yeah. When you're on psychedelics because I had done everything. Yeah, I tried everything. Um, and I was over, you know, it, the thing with the self-help is like, it still requires you. It's always you. And so looking back, it's easier to see this um, certain level, maybe not certain level, complete level of narcissism. You know what I mean? It, it yeah. was all about in the name of, of evolution and growth, in the name of something good, right? Um, in the name of trying to help myself, fix myself, heal myself. So it's veiled in this, covering of spirituality and growth and help, but it really becomes narcissistic. It's all, yeah, it's all an inward focus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it prevented me from fully being out in the world and from, I think, you know, what we're supposed to be is like in this world, but not of it, right? And I just struggled. I struggled to coalesce my spiritual life with my material life, Um even after all the ayahuasca, and I did quite a bit of it for about a year, and then, you know, a certain set of circumstances propelled me to stop, thank God. Um, and then, uh, shout out to The Chosen. I watched The Chosen. I was going through a really hard time. I think I told you I was at my mom's house, and I was kind of captive there helping her recover from a surgery, and I turned it on the, and I just, that first episode where he, where Jesus meets Mary, I just lost it. I It was like someone pulled a knife out of my heart and that aftershock. And <clears throat> so that that made me Jesus curious, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. And then a couple events, I had I had some very faithful dear friends, old friends, um, guiding me and met someone else who was a believer. And one thing he said really landed with me um, and really landed. He's like, he, he had known about all these other things that I had done. Like he knows about it. He's like, I just don't get how it lands. And I'm like, that's it. Nothing ever landed. Nothing ever, like you said, changed in my day-to-day real world. Like I wasn't becoming more prosperous. I wasn't, didn't have more joy in my life. I didn't have the relationship I wanted. So something wasn't working. And um, I think what happened 
you know, and then I had a, I, I still meditate and I still use some of the practices I've learned in yoga, but it's the focus is now Christ. The focus yeah. is now a very tangible experience. And now I don't have to sit for two hours in meditation to feel connected to God. Yeah. I, it's there all the time. And so what Christianity did for me is it landed this and it brought it into my life in a very real way, in a very purposeful way in a very tangible way that I don't feel alone. There was a lot of this talk before. You know, I woke up this morning and I and something hit me pretty strong. When I woke up and I have a cross in my room and I looked at the cross, it's like when I'm having a hard time or if I had a hard night and I wake up the next morning, I can say, I can look to Jesus, I can look to the cross and say, take this from me, right? I don't have to do right. this on my own. There was none of that like, this is not mine to carry right. with the other stuff. I didn't know where to put it. So it was always on me. Does that make sense? It's yeah. a little yeah. vague, but... No, it does. Again, that goes back to, you know, everything's an inward focus yeah. with, um, you know, all of these other, you know, paths to enlightenment. Yeah. Um, and the fact is, is we need to have an outward focus. And, yeah. You know, our... Um, or, or I should say, our eyes must be focused on something else, and that is Jesus. That is yeah. God, yeah. and and that is that path to you know the joy that we're really ultimately you know, working on finding. I have a, a question about your upbringing. So yeah, um, because I have some working theories on this. Mm. So uh, you said your parents were pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was that like and how did it manifest itself in the home? Was it just something that they sort of, you know, lived conservative lives or was it something that, you know, you guys talked deeply about? Um, t- you know, tell me a little bit there. Yeah, no, it was more just discipline, strict discipline. Okay. I wasn't raised with religion, okay. um, so I didn't have that foundation. I think that's maybe why I felt this... this um, this compelling force to kind of rebel because there was never a reason okay. so it was for a, it. You know, so it was a rigid, traditional kind of home yeah. of, you know, versus a you know, conservative Christian kind of a home. Correct. Yeah, Correct. The, the reason I brought that up is because I, I, I witnessed a lot of um, you know, kids rebel out of Christian homes. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, there's, I mean, that Bible verse, you know, train your child up in the way that he should go and when he's old will not depart. Um, you know, that, that second part of that is uh, saying, and when he is old, he will not depart. Yeah. Because I do think that there's a, you know, a, um, you know, a nature in um, some children and some personalities to go a little sideways and yeah. then come back. And yeah. if you did, you know, your foundational work as a parent, uh, you, the likelihood of them coming back with maturity and things like that, even though they might have gone sideways, might have done some wild things in life and gone off the beaten path. And you as a parent are, you know, on your knees praying, tearing your hair out, uh, lamenting for them, yeah. all that stuff, they'll, they'll come back. Um, but I've witnessed in our culture with the families that take it for granted. Our children are raised in a Christian home, but yet they are not spending time talking about why they believe what they believe and having those dialogues around the dinner table and having, you know, these discussions on, you know, the underpinnings of our faith and Mm -hmm. the details around why do we, you know, believe in, you know, pro-life or why are, you know, why do we, you know, believe in these principles? You know, what are these principles and all that stuff? The kids can't defend it later and then they have have a you know professor and a bunch of peers go oh that's the stupidest thing I ever heard and they don't have an answer for it mm. so parents teach your kids why you believe what you believe and have those conversations and if you don't know why you believe what you believe ooh, you better get started and you better think these things through yeah and I agree with that but I also think that no matter how much we talk 
and how much knowledge we have in the head and in the, from the books and even the Bible, that there is a certain experiential element to it. I think kids have to go out, Amen. do the rebellion like me, and then come, hopefully not as late in life as I did, but at some point realize that everything, and now I'll get a little political, the progressive movement is selling you, everything the secular world is yeah. selling you does not bring you fulfillment. It yeah. just doesn't. Yeah. And I think there has to be that individual fall. Yeah, I, so I don't speak. yeah, I, I, I don't entirely disagree. Yeah. I think there um, are kids and girls to my daughters. I want yeah. you to be these kids. <laughs> no, um you don't need to go and make all of the mistakes in the world to yeah. see what other people yeah. have gone through and to see that things are empty. You yeah. know, and and again, you know, I mean um, my wife and I have talked about the idea that, you know, all right, hey, we got three. Chances are maybe one of them will go sideways. You know, <laughs> uh, we've kind of steeled ourselves against that. Um, you know, I mean, they're amazing girls. But um, but you have to you have to uh, have faith in God, yeah. um, you know, in um, the fact that, you know, he has them in his grasp. Yeah. So we have two major tragedies in this country that I take personally, and it's poor health and veganism. Battle both by ordering from my friends at Good Ranchers. 85% of all grass-fed beef is imported from other countries, but because they process it here, they can slap the product of USA label on it. Because of this, over 100,000 independent American farms and ranches have closed. Good Ranchers sells 100% American meat. A Good Ranchers subscription locks in your price to protect you against inflation. Enter code LIBERTY at checkout for $30 off plus free shipping or go to goodranchers.com slash liberty. Every item is steakhouse quality and you can order the finest steaks, seafood, and chicken at half the price of those other online meat guys. And I'll tell you, in direct head-to-head competition in my discriminating household, Good Ranchers just tastes much better. Enter code LIBERTY at checkout for $30 off plus free shipping or go to goodranchers.com slash liberty. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't wasn't brought brought up with that faith, but I think I, again, it, it left me to seek every single channel. Yeah except for Christianity yeah. until the end. And that's how I knew. I mean, I think I had a, I think I was mentioning this to you. I had a moment um, when I was in Austin right before I landed, the day I landed in the hospital. And I actually went to a church. There's one across the street from my house on my, I was walking and I stopped into the church. I'm like, I'm going to go in this church because I think that's what I need. I think I need God. And the door was locked. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, it was one of the, I'm like, really? All right. And I think had I not, had that door not been locked and I not, had I not gone down the psychedelic journey, then there would have been doubts. Mm-hmm. There would have been questions. There would have been, mm, I don't know. I mean, I have tried it all and I can tell you, I think I, I needed to do that. So I would be so certain that when Christ came to me, it was, that's it. I was yeah. done, and, and it didn't take long at and, all. And I think, and I think that's that's fair, and I, and I think that your testimony is powerful for yeah. that because I think you can you know warn others yeah. that okay, look, these roads are not you know uh, fruitful, mm-hmm. and they don't lead to happiness, and they can lead to destruction. So you wrote an article on Epoch Times mm-hmm. why I left the left, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I read it. It was a good article. Thank you. You're a good writer. Thank you. Uh, and and you kind of describe you know, this journey, mm-hmm. um, you know, in that, um, 
what what else is in the article itself that you want to touch on? Yeah, and this is... And we can post a link to it. Yeah, this is what I started to learn when I went back to school. So part of this journey is I did decide to go back to get my master's in public policy at Pepperdine University, which has been the best decision of my life because it returned some of that logos, that logic of, of my life that I was missing, that I was, you know, I came out to LA and started to really kind of get emotionally drunk, I would say. Like everything was about my feelings, mm-hmm. right? And I and I lost that connection to using this, right? Um, so I kind of got sucked into, you know, as like one of those posters. I say it in the piece, you know, as like a uh, in this house we believe sign, you know, walking one of those. And I had many arguments with my mother about all these issues, um, and uh, and so I went back to school. And I, we started reading all the foundational text for America, you know, the Mayflower Compact, way before the Declaration of Independence. So all the foundational um, kind of documents, and they all reference God, all of them. <clears throat> so uh, I started to kind of see the philosophical underpinnings of the progressive movement, and we studied it. Um, Margaret Sanger, I can't remember the... I'm trying to remember the piece that basically early 1900s, a guy um, wrote a piece that was really impactful for me because it really laid out progressive ideology mm-hmm. and that nothing is permanent. Everything's temporal. And that's kind of true, but that you constantly have to deconstruct Everything's a constant deconstruction, right? So <clears throat> what's true is only what's in front of you at the time. Uh, family doesn't really matter. Like, there's yeah. no connection to history or lineage, or you are not an individual with a unique set of circumstances um, and a unique heritage. Like, I'm Greek and Italian. Why I was trying to fit myself into a spiritual practice based in Hinduism is beyond me. It was not going to work. Uh, uh, listen, I'm not saying for everybody, but I'm not Hindu. Right. You know, I'm I'm Greek. I was baptized Greek Orthodox, even though I wasn't raised with religion, and pretty much Roman Catholic, even though it wasn't. Ra- you know, it's in my blood, and it and it. Progressivism tries to disconnect you from those well, ties. Uh, what's interesting about that, and I and I uh, think Ben Shapiro is onto something here, because uh, just a few days ago, I I heard him on a Daily Wire uh, backstage with, you know, all the hosts, Mm -hmm. and um, I I enjoy listening to those. I I recommend them because it's it's good fun. You know, all the guys are getting together, all the hosts, and they're just, you know, chatting about these things. And so I want to give credit to Ben Shapiro for this, but... Um, the left has done such a good job with all of these things of their labels. They do a great job. They control the narrative. They control the language yeah. in our culture. And yeah. the, the term progressive is not what they are. Um, and uh, what they are is transgressive. You know, they are destroying mm. all of these mm-hmm. things. They're not progressing them. They're not evolving them into some higher them better. plane. There's nothing, they're not. There's nothing to make, yeah. There's, there's no improvements that they're Correct. making to this stuff. They are... Um, destroying them and then you know reimagining things they for a little while there uh, all the politicians were using that term we're going to reimagine our borders we're well, going to reimagine you know or build back things. better what's you know yeah. build back better exactly but they are transgressive they are destroying things yeah. and they are destroying the very foundations of 
everything that kind of holds society together. Many of these things, it took thousands of years for us to come to the conclusions that, oh, wait, no, this is a good way to parent yeah. or whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, they, they, there is no fundamental truth. Whatever is true is what you feel at the time to be true, yeah. which, you know, touches on the whole transgender ideology. And, and I don't understand, like, listen, I, I try to be open-minded. I, I hope I don't lose that spirit. But it's like my friend said, you can be so open-minded, your brains fall yeah, out. Exactly. And it's like... <clears throat> I don't understand. Like, we can be so into science and finding the facts where you... Where is logic? How are you telling me that a boy can be a girl? Like, I'm like, wait, just... And it was the same thing with COVID. Yeah, well, truth and logic are not actually a value on the left. Now, the you know, they pretend it is, but yeah. they never... They'll say verbally it is on these things, but they'll never use it to come to any conclusions. Right. Um, you know, all they'll do is give you malformed ideas and bad policy and uh, and pretend like they thought it through and it all works. Yeah. And then meanwhile, you see everything disintegrating around you. Anything that they touch, they destroy. Yeah. that That's, you know, that sense of like just common sense. I, I remember during COVID, you know, I, the, I, tr- I don't have a television. I don't really watch the news, but I'll pick up bits. And they were saying this is 99.9, you know, or this is the amount of people that are, dying from it which was very low and here's who it's affecting and i was like okay great i didn't listen to the i didn't listen to the news and i'm like why is everyone freaking out if if it has a 99 or 98.9 whatever it was survivability rate and then the toilet paper thing came. that (laughs) was was a funny one why are what's happening yeah, we were caught between Costco runs, and so we had a little bit of a problem there. We had to go and buy some commercial toilet paper just to have something in the house. <laughs> I just, I remember thinking, is this Lord of the Flies? What's happened? Yeah. Like, how, what is the panic about? Yeah. And so I never lost that, like, this just doesn't make sense to me. In my heart, it didn't make sense. Yeah. So, and I mentioned that in the article, too, like, I think you need both. You need to have a heart. You need to have compassion. These things are not mutually exclusive, but you also need to use your head. And and for me, what Christianity did, it mend, it melded my heart with my head, whereas they were operating separately before, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I could now use both, and I think that's a powerful combination, and the, the far left really only wants to tug at your heartstrings. I watched a a piece with Rachel Maddow. I just saw a real small snippet of it on Instagram or something. And like, I think she was talking about Pelosi. Is Paul his first name? Mm-hmm. The husband? Yeah. yeah. And she was like almost crying about this. When we, when this happens, this kind of violence, first of all, I can, if it were genuine emotion, I would have been crying with her. I'm pretty big empath. So right. like, if I really felt that that was genuine emotion, I would have been crying. And I do think it's sad. I don't think anybody should be profiteering off some of violence or, but the, where was where was this compassion when cities and streets were burning down when when people were being were dying without seeing their loved ones where was the compassion then yeah it's like no, unbelievable they're, they're, they're liars and they're manipulators for for their own political causes here um you know in the Paul Pelosi thing you know we should question it right we should because yeah. there's some weird things um there are, are some things that don't exactly add up yeah uh, they could certainly help us out by releasing not just the 911, but any security camera footages, you know, um, 
they should, uh, you know, have the police officers make their true statements, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, and some of it will be cleared up because they do have they do have evidence. And, and hey, you know, we won't doubt you if we see the evidence because they've been prone um, They've been proven to be uh, categorical liars, and they've proven to use these things and dramatize these things gain. for political gain and to you know try to stuff it to their political enemies. They always dramatize any kind of violence or um, threats that happen on their, on their side. When you know, I guarantee you, it happens more in terms of threats and things like that on our side. I mean, you should see our, you know, the DMs that we get. You should see what Nasty, a Charlie huh? Kirk or others get yeah. in terms of credible threats, threats every threats. week yeah. and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but but they <clears> use <throat> it for political purposes. So hey, if it's fishy, then you know, let us. Well, again, talk it was about just it. something common sense. I, I had a friend in town this weekend, so I was pretty much offline. But I just saw the headline, and I'm like. This is kind of convenient timing just before the midterms, isn't it? Like again, yeah. just something in my gut was like, "This, this is strange." Hey. Like I don't, I don't, I'm sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want any. I don't no, wish harm on anybody, but I was just like, "Oh, interesting timing." Yeah, we condemn violence, and you know, yeah. maybe he was a crazy right wing MAGA supporter uh, who just <laughs> you know lives in a nudist camp in you know Berkeley, um, but you know, whatever. Um, so uh, moving on a little bit, yes. um, you know, you sent me an article that you wrote on veganism, and also you brought me this <laughs> I gift. Your hat. I did bring your hat. You brought me a gift. I eat meat. I eat meat because <laughs> I do eat meat. I eat a lot of meat. I do too. I eat a lot of meat. Um, <clears throat> and now you uh, you went down the whole vegan path too, didn't you? Oh, I like you tried everything, right? I've tried everything, every spiritual practice, every health yeah. practice. And I by was... the way, veganism is a spiritual cult and spiritual practice for the most part, not with everybody. It and, can be. Yeah. Again, I, I think it's being out in LA and California really yeah. pushes you to. It's it's the extreme. It is yeah. the extreme of everything. So if people are giving up meat and dairy products and becoming vegan for their health. God bless you. If you need to do that, yeah. awesome. And, and I if do it, have friends that are vegans. I, I like to troll vegans just for sport because, you know, I think it's a funny thing. I got these hats made yeah. just to kind of piss off people in L.A. Like, so if you're a vegan and you're doing it for yeah, legitimate yeah. health reasons, I have no problem with that. Yeah, and we can uh, tell people where they can get I, well, uh, one of your hats. Yeah, there. it's on my website, jennifergillardi.com backslash shop. I think it's shop or store. And that's um, G-A-L-A-R-D-I.com. Um, I am, once I recoup the cost of what it, it it costs to make the hats, I am going to donate most of the proceeds, if not all of them, to some sort of regenerative agriculture group. I just yeah. haven't decided. Cool. It takes a lot of research to find out who's really doing it, not just slapping, yeah. r- same like organic, who's really doing it, and where is this money going to benefit someone the most. I have a friend um, who directs films uh, in Oklahoma. It does a lot of work with regenerative agriculture. So I'm kind of asking her about what, where would this money really be of good use to farmers who are trying to farm in accordance with God's 
principles in accordance with nature yeah. to revitalize the soil because that's what it is. Our food is shit. Yeah. I mean, this is a good uh, moment to plug goodranchers.com forward slash liberty. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. Those guys are great. Um, mm. Because look, there are, um, and, and I understand the vegans' position on some of these things, there are abhorrent practices when Terrible. it comes to our meat and our vegetables and our farming, agriculture, all that stuff. Um, you know, the uh, big corporations that took over a lot of that stuff that, you know, want to go for maximum yields. They're not doing appropriate things to be sustainable, to care for our lands. And we need to reset back to those things. Uh, not the Great Reset. But we <laughs> need to reset back to those things and do things uh, as good stewards of, of the, the earth. Right. If you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they're winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Go to patriotmobile.com forward slash liberty or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with the offer code LIBERTY. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. PatriotMobile.com forward slash liberty. PatriotMobile.com forward slash liberty or call 972-PATRIOT. Well, the problem is, you know, anybody in policy will tell you this. And, and once you create policy... It's really hard to backpedal. So once these policies were created that subsidized farmers to grow um, the monocrop, ag monocrop agriculture like corn, soy, wheat, grains, then we had this surpluses. What do you turn them into? Corn syrup, Fritos. Yeah. You know, every single product has corn. Now every single product has seed oil in it. And it's going to be hard. We've created a multi, multi-billion dollar business on crap Food and yeah. how are you gonna how are you gonna take down the the Conagras the um, Cargills the you know Tyson yeah. Foods it's they're monsters <clears throat> it's hard yeah and and you're dealing with the bureaucracy and lobbies and you've got I don't know it 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 seems to me that the only real change is gonna happen from a a personal revolution. You know, people, I think, my girlfriend said this on one of the podcasts we did together. She said, I think you're going to see people leaving big cities, going to back to where they grew up, going to where they can afford land. And I don't want to be a doomsday person either and say, like, you know, start stocking, stockpiling all your goods and doing all this stuff and, and make sure you know how to grow your own food. But make sure you know how to grow your own food because I don't think yeah. it's going to get better. Uh, no, and I think there'll be, and we've talked about it on the show a lot, um, I think there'll be times where we have to. So, yeah. you know, you better start uh, gathering those skills early yeah. and get off seed oils. Yeah. Seed oils are destructive. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, that's a lot of bit, that's been a lot of my studies um, in my master's program is health policy, mm -hmm. um, looking into how we got into this mess and the thing with policy is there's really no solutions. There's alternatives. 
right? right? It's really hard to backpedal. And um, I don't I don't have any answers. I know what I want for my life. Uh, it's it's going to be hard to do here in California, you know, to, to get land and especially on my own. And we this could be a segue into what you want to talk about, I think, is yeah. is the woman stuff. Um, but I regret, you know, there's one thing I regret, and we talked about this when we had coffee. Um, you know, I can I can go back and fix a lot of the things that I fell into from being in L.A. and, and kind of that progressive yeah. takeover. Um, I can go back to school. I can change course. I can change my career. I can do all these things. What I can't erase is <clears throat> deciding to pursue this self-enlightenment thing in lieu of a family, mm-hmm. in lieu of partnership. Um, granted, I was jumping from one unhealthy man to the next. So, you know, that's my biggest regret. I don't have any other regrets. I think God t- took me down the path and that's part of it, you know, but um, I can't, uh, you know, by despite what they say, there is biology and and yes, I could adopt. And yes, there's a lot of different options. Um, but, you know, the biological yeah, clock uh, is is a clock. It's real. Yeah, well, I, I do think you have, you know, wonderful things ahead of you, and, you know, yeah. we've talked about this, and, um, you know, God bless you for being so transparent and open to, you know, have these sorts of conversations, because the um, feminist movement mm-hmm. have sold women a bill of goods, and Absolutely. they have destroyed family in the process, mm-hmm. and, you know, look, kudos to the women that want to pursue their career at the expense of all other things, and that's a choice that they make, right? And there are women that make that choice and, and voluntarily make that choice knowing that they're making that choice. Fine, okay? And there are women who can have vibrant careers and have families and all that sort of stuff, but there's trade-offs. And always the lies that they tell women in order to get them to pursue career at all costs and all that stuff leave a lot um, of destruction in their wake. And how you and I originally got into that conversation, as I, I shared with you as a part of this, I've had women that have worked for me over the years that have become dear friends and and you know colleagues and even you know uh, female bosses that have just been amazing that have, broken down in tears in front of me saying how much they regret that path. And it has almost been a identical story each time. You know, they thought that this was what they were supposed to do when in their hearts, they kind of wanted to be wives and mothers. Yeah. And so, you know, I wanted you to, you know, lay that out a little bit. Yeah. And give a warning to some of our young ladies that are Mm. combating that in our culture right now. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it it goes in waves. It comes in moments. And full honesty, I had a moment last night. You know, it's usually when I'm tired, when I come home from a long day, class from 8.30 to 11.30, 11.30 to 6.30 work. I got to go home after work and then do papers or do something. And I'm just exhausted. Yeah. And I've been doing this my whole life. I've been working for myself my whole life. And unfortunately, unlike maybe some of these corporate jobs, I was kind of an entrepreneur in the fitness business. 
unless you get some major sponsorship, you're not making a lot of money. Right. So I don't have a lot to show for it. You know, I'm going into a lot of debt to go back to school and, um, and it's, you know, I'm probably going to lose the, the restaurant that I'm managing right now is closing by the way. So yeah, which is fine. I mean, I know it's not my lifelong path, but I still have another six months till I graduate. Um, so I was tired and I, and in those moments of just exhaustion, I'm like, I wish I had a partner. I wish I had the support. Yeah. Mental, like just the emotional support. A teammate. A teammate, yeah. a partner. Um, and financially. I mean, it's why, you know, it's, it, it is a means to um, bolster an economy, a society. Yeah. And it's not that women have to give up empowerment to do this. You know, you don't... You, I don't think it's, again, an either-or proposition, but you said there's always trade-offs. Mm-hmm. I think you can be empowered and be submissive at the same time. And I had a, I had a hard time with that word, like, I'm not going to submit to any man, you know, the, until I read the Bible and understood really what submission is. And yeah. my pastor laid it out so beautifully in a podcast with him. He said, it's submission of the heart. It has nothing to do with power. It's it's letting go. Well, it's it's also, allowing yourself to be supported. Yeah, it's 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 a voluntary um, yeah. uh, relationship. Yeah, and it's a voluntary relationship of uh, of sort of uh, you know uh, an order of ranking of responsibility. And I think men need to, especially in this culture right now, stand up, get after it a heck of a lot more, and recognize that uh, you know they are there to you know be that leading partner. And again, you know, there's different personalities. There's different ways that this manifests themselves, yeah. right? But but you know, being that um, you know driving force in the in the family. And again, I don't mean just economically or their ambitions or things like yeah. that. But but sort of that uh, you know that responsible one who is laying down his life as Christ did the church, right. you know, and it is that area of they ha- they have that ultimate responsibility for where the family's going and where that, you know, unit is going. It has nothing to do with, um, you know, a subservience or yeah. the things that are Lesser culture. than. Yeah. Um, it, it is a, uh, you know, co-equal thing. It's just roles and responsibilities, and it's a beautiful thing because you know what what woman wouldn't want to um, you know follow a man who's willing to die for her and willing to sacrifice to the point of sacrificing everything to you know lay his life down for her the way that Christ did for us. A you woman know? who's been overtaken by second and third wave feminism. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I, I, I know there's all shades of this, but it's even it's funny, even in, in Tantra and in different spiritual traditions, the masculine and the feminine, there are qualities to them. Mm-hmm. And there's different shades of the feminine. There's Durga, who's like the fierce, protective mama bear type right. of woman, you know, and that's empowering. Um, but then there's... Um, Lakshmi, who's this goddess of beauty and, and uh, you know, gold and, like, representative of all the good, fun kind of things. You know, right. beauty, the things that, that men love about women, the beauty and the shape and the form. And they're different. The masculine and the feminine are different. Right. Um, and there's all sorts of shades. And, and male and females have characteristics of both. I mean, I probably have a little more masculine in me than, but that doesn't make me not a woman. And it doesn't make me not desire to have a partner and to want to be led. And I think my problem in relationships is 
I, I went into it not trusting men to lead and finding men that, frankly, wouldn't. Well, there's, so, there's many, many that have abdicated their responsibility, again, because of second and third wave fem- feminism that have, you know, called, you know, any type of, you know, maleness toxic. Toxic. And have really uh, confused men, too, yeah. to where men are, you know, unsure. Should I open a door for a woman? I don't know, you know? Yeah. I mean, they've created this uncertainty that, you know, did not exist. And in its best um, and, like, fullness of it was a beautiful thing at one time in our culture. Yeah. I mean, listen, we needed, we needed first-wave feminists. And the other interesting thing is, like, first-wave feminists went to jail. Yeah. Like, they, they, they sacrificed things for the vote. They did those things. Yeah. And now you get a feminist on stage and she needs a safe space. I think Christina Hoff Summer talked about this. Is like, yeah, yeah. what kind of feminist is it? She calls it fainting couch feminism. Yeah, yeah. she's like, great, by the way. Yeah. What kind of feminist needs a safe space? And, and, and again, a, a girlfriend of mine and I on our podcast, on my podcast, talk about it. Like, somehow the feminist movement went from actually protecting women, mm-hmm. particularly from rape, um, sexual impropriety, all that kind of stuff, to, like, the freedom just, it made it worse. It's yeah. actually not safe for women. This free sex, this free love movement that I can now, as a woman, and I fell into this, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to have sex like a man and just go out there and not care. I'm like, it does not work. No. It doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, it, destroys- it might for it might for some women, but it completely destroyed my self-esteem. It, it destroys souls, and I don't believe that it's, uh, yeah, for anybody. I don't either. Yeah. I, I try to be, some ways, give, give, give the possibility and give the room for, like, maybe not everybody is like me, but I do believe in the biblical notion of marriage. Mm-hmm. I do believe, again, this came from a long history of, of not participating in that and not seeing relationship that way and not seeing marriage that way and then understanding why it is the way it is, why it is outlined in the Bible the way it is, the submission of the heart and all that kind of stuff and what marriage is. But, um, yeah, I, there's also another great book I would recommend. It, it recently came out in the past six months, and I read it for uh, to do a book review on it called um, The Case Against the Sexual Revolution. I mm-hmm. believe Louise Perry wonderful and her grandmother said she uses that quote she said um when she was telling her grandmother about writing the book her grandmother said basically you've all been conned yeah you've been conned yeah and you have and then it 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 does have its its effect on society it um it pulls women away from the home not again. It's hard. It's hard to say that without sounding like women have to be in the home. And yeah, no. I, I, well, let's let's explore that a little bit because um, you know, look, the model of a family and the model of raising kids and all that stuff is so important, right? Yeah. And you know, men and women share different you know roles and responsibilities, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you ask my daughters, um, you know, my girls are incredibly talented musicians. I mm-hmm. talk about it a lot because I'm very <laughs> proud of them, right? They are in a pre-professional orchestra. They, uh, they teach music. Um, they have wonderful careers ahead of them in that. They have ambitions for that. But at the same time, if you ask them what their heart's desire is, they want to be wives and they want to be mothers, mm-hmm. And there is room for them to have a fulfilling music life and 
have great joy continuing to pursue that. But, you know, they know that what they want to be doing is, you know, caring for their children and caring for their home and having a great marriage. There's, you know, nothing wrong with that, but the society has in general made that like something that you shouldn't even say. When my wife and I were first married, we would go to these dinners where we would be around career women, colleagues of mine, you know, that, that were high powered, you know, executives, and they would ask my wife, well, huh, well, what is it that you do? And my wife used to kind of sheepishly answer the question, mm-hmm. and that's sad, you know, and then she realized that, well, you know what, I'm a professional mom yeah. because of how hard she worked, yeah. right? And she, you know, we homeschooled our kids. My wife has been amazing. I mean, if there's anything that we almost never, ever, ever have conflict about, it's how we raise our kids. Mm-hmm. It's those things that we are so united in, and the culture has smashed that as an importance and as a value, and we need to take it back. So we shouldn't be embarrassed to say that running a good home is an amazing thing and a yeah. value. Yeah. I wrote at the end of this paper, I did a paper last year, more ended up being more like a dissertation. Um, the course was called Manliness, and I have to give a shout out to uh, Dr. McAllister, who is my professor. He's just amazing. Um, cool. He's written a lot for American Mind. Um, uh, I don't know if he's, he's not for Heritage, but what's the publication that comes out of Claremont McKenna, the Claremont Institute? Um, that uh, might be American. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so I'm he's not, written a yeah. lot for that. Anyway, he's amazing. Um, and he's always pushing the envelope. He's always just really trying to egg people on to think, right? So he, right. he taught a course called Manliness. And manliness in in the Greek word of thumos of mm-hmm. of you have to get him on my podcast. Yes, so he's we'll amazing. Oh my god, because that's a subject we talk about here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, the course was manliness, so I wrote a paper on can manliness save marriage, and that's when I really started doing this research on the feminist movement. So that's yeah. you know, and and that was a that was a transformative writing a paper for school became a transformative life moment for me when I started cool. to realize how I participated in my own, um, I don't want to say failures, but in my own failures of relationship, you know what I mean? What I was looking for and who the man I thought I wanted and, you know, and my, and my kind of approach to dating and stuff like that. So that was really hard. It took a, a toll on me writing that paper to look at myself and my past history and go, this was all you, this promulgated by false beliefs, yeah. right? But it was me. It was my behavior. So it was really eye-opening, and that's when I, like I said, I started to learn about the difference between the first, second wave, third wave feminism, now fourth, whatever iteration we're in, we're in the intersectionality. Not only are, you know, it's not th- just that you're female. A black female has a completely different experience than an Asian female. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's constantly a power play. Yeah. And, and, and so anyway, at the end of this paper... What I wrote is that I'm not suggesting we go back to the era of Mad Men, right, where the women are dressed in pearls and heels, and here's your martini, dear, and red lipstick. Meanwhile, he's screwing Wait, his what, secretary. What's wrong there. No, uh, <laughs> but mean, you know, I, and and meanwhile, he's he's around, you know, banging whoever he can. That's not what I'm suggesting at no, all. No, but I mean, that's what they that's what they imagine that we're suggesting exactly. when we talk about manliness. And manliness can, you know. Uh, save, I believe, the entire culture. It needs, because yes. men have abdicated all responsibility 
in our culture for the well not all but for the most part yeah a lot of it but um but there can be there can be there you know progressives are big on this word why aren't we seeing equality yeah what what's happening now is they're just trying to flip it to make women more powerful than men or to make one race more powerful than yeah. the other true equality means sharing and and i think you know, maybe some of this stuff needed to happen where men maybe could take on more responsibilities in the home. But the fact of the matter is most men don't want to cook and most women don't want to take out the garbage. Like, I don't know. I, again, the, that's a terrible generalization, but you get the idea. There are some things in nature that you are not going to change despite what medicine does, despite what the progressive movement does. Nature is fundamentally there. Well, and in the and in the societies where they tried to engineer that, it still falls along those lines anyway. You know, yeah. and and um, and yeah, let's celebrate our differences because yeah. they are vast. Yes, but they are great. Yes, you know, and we are meant to complement one another. And mm-hmm. again, there are you know men that act more feminine and go more towards maybe traditional, you know, feminine personality mm-hmm. traits or behaviors. And then there's women that, you know, go on the other side. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, generally let's celebrate our differences. Let's come together. Let's, you know, get men to restore the best of what men can bring into relationships yeah. and let's get women to do the yeah. same and, you know, quit all of this destructive nonsense that these transgressives are pushing down our throats. Yeah. It's it, they're all they're doing is prolonging this war of the sexes and i think i'm hoping i pray that we're coming to a balance i think there has to be a balance at some point there has to be mutuality and understanding forgiveness and i wrote that in my paper too you know like women you've got to forgive the men when they when they did inappropriate things and 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 guides say, you know that you know what that isn't okay at the office yeah. or wherever it is. It's yeah. not okay. Yeah. And then okay, show them how to be. And and you know other men need to be women's protectors in that. And by right. that I mean you know step in you know when yes. they see um, you know those poor behaviors yes. and uh, you know right the ship yes. so to speak. So in the in the last minute that we have here, let's you know plug you and your websites oh. and you know all that <laughs> stuff again and your podcast. Yeah, um, well, the podcast is called Connection, and it's not huge. So if you type in Connection into a search, uh, you get a lot of connections. Yeah, you'll get a lot of different ones before you get to me. But if you do Connection Jennifer or Connection Galardi, it'll it'll pop up, and it's it's interesting to watch the evolution of it because the first season was there's some helpful things on on health and spirituality and wellness. My friend was in a cult. That was fascinating to listen to given the cultish behavior of 2020, 2021, still 2022. Yeah. So, um but it has it has evolved um and I think it's it's fun to kind of watch that. Uh so that's that and then my website is jennifergalardi.com and that's in that's in flux. That's in transition because I'm going from really an old life to a new life that I'm really excited about, but I don't know exactly how it translates into the yeah. world yet, so we'll see. But some of my writings are up there, and I don't take them down because I think it's interesting, as embarrassing as some of them are, to have seen that growth for myself. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Well, listen, praise God. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, praise. Um, you know, amen on your journey and all of that. Thank and, you. Uh, and yeah, you know, if you want to buy a hat, there's, oh, I forgot to mention, there's a discount on the hat for your listeners. All right. So if they put in Liberty, all capitals, um, it's 15% off the hat. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you eat meat, 
Yeah, you, you now you have a, a good lid for you. And just why not? Just to piss off the the vegans in yeah, your town, fun. you know. Trolling vegans is a sport <laughs> for me. So, anyway, well, thank you for joining me, and I appreciate it. Yeah. All thanks, right. Bryce. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you for joining us on Liberty Station. I hope you enjoy the show. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on Rumble, Liftable TV, or Spotify, or anywhere that you consume podcasts. Please text these episodes to your friends and support our advertisers.